When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Maybe it's just that you don't know how to use social courtesy. Oh, that's old-fashioned. Watch how Lizzie Post and Dan Post act as host and hostess. They know that courtesy means showing respect, thinking of the other person, real friendliness. Hello! And welcome to Awesome Etiquette. Where we explore modern etiquette through the lens of consideration, respect, and honesty. On today's show, we take your questions on notifying another guest when one drops out, housewarming registries, question mark, getting in line after someone opens the door for you, and talking gun safety when you take your kids to playdates. For Awesome Etiquette Sustaining members, our question of the week is about soft speakers on conference calls. Plus, your most excellent feedback, etiquette salute, and a postscript on being a good Thanksgiving guest. All that's coming up. Awesome Etiquette comes to you from the studios of our home offices in Vermont and is proud to be produced by the Emily Post Institute. I'm Lizzie Post. And I'm Dan Post-Senning, and I am still buzzing, Lizzie Post. <laughs> Are you high off the media blitz? <laughs> I am just a little bit. We had such an exciting day yesterday. Could you tell our audience about what happened? Yeah, well, it feels like it's been a really exciting week. We had what I can only call a rave review in the Wall Street Journal, which I wasn't expecting. Yeah. Um, that was a real true surprise and a, a really great review. I mean... I I I just can't come away from that with without beaming. <laughs> like I feel like they actually said this book is needed now. <laughs> like it was a great great review, and then it was followed up immediately by the AP putting out a piece. Who I have to tell you, the writer Leanne Italier is just. I've really enjoyed my conversations with her. She's someone I've I've worked with before. And she responded to our pitch letter by immediately booking. And I just was so grateful because I enjoy being on on a Zoom call with her talking etiquette. And she just did a beautiful job with that piece. The whole version, if you if you find it, it goes into a big delve into Emily and her life, which I thought was so great to introduce readers to her in that way. And I really liked a lot of the topics that she hit upon. And I was just very grateful for that that piece that she put out. And that got picked up by everybody. It was great. <laughs> I mean, we saw it in town and country. Kelly Williams Brown told me it was on Fox News. It was like it went every it went all directions, guys. It went all directions. I started hearing from my friends in the fantasy football world who are it, not it, people it, yeah. I talk about Emily Post with. Usually. Was, right? Like he he sent you the the Huffington Post that had picked it up. It was like it's so great. No, I'm I'm with you. I started having my cell phone people congratulating us and i was like wait wait how did you know who is this <laughs> <laughs> but it was it was really great and it led to i believe anyway nbc nightly news the nightly news with lester holt one of their other correspondents stephanie gosk uh did an interview with me and it was a mad rush it was one of those where i was not at home nor was i camera ready and they needed me to be that in like 45 minutes so that we could tape the segment before they lose their studio time and to someone else and so it was like oh my goodness i mean i don't think i've blow dried my hair that fast in forever <laughs> you looked great by the way <laughs> thank you it was on the fly um but also doing your own house you have to do your own lighting and things like that i don't have one of those really cool ring lights that everybody has so so I'm like, you know, cl clipping up my like painting lights and things like that and <laughs> trying to set a quick scene. But what was doubly great was as I was getting excited to watch the nightly news and actually see, you know, that it, it was going to air and everything. My friend was over with me and we heard from from the publicist at, at Penguin Random House that we had another offer to be on an NBC news show, the Tom Yamas show. And that was 
great. It was it, they played the entire thing from the NBC nightly news cut and then went into an extended interview. And so it was I was beaming, I was buzzing. It took me a long time to fall asleep last night. Yeah. But this is what I've been waiting for and excited about and working so hard for the past month, sending out pitch letters and getting responses and trying to coordinate things and it I'm just so grateful to to Leanne and to um the writer at the Wall Street Journal because I really think those things helped and uh it was it was very exciting yesterday. I'm still a little bit buzzing like you said, Dan. Well, Thank you for taking me back through the week because I was frankly so focused on what happened yesterday that in some ways <laughs> it, it took a little bit of work for me to think back another two days. And yeah. <laughs> I think that you're right. I think that the tone that was set by both the author of the Wall Street Journal Review and that AP press piece set a tone in the larger media world and introduced people to the book in a way that I was just so happy people got introduced to the book. And I, like you, I loved seeing people making the effort to understand the legacy, to understand what this centennial represents, where it began, who Emily Post was, and what the the tradition and legacy of her writing about etiquette has been and, and continues to be at this point. And the focus on her legacy being stewarded by a family and a family business, I thought was um, warmed my heart a little bit in the way yeah. that was sort of folded into the story. Yeah, It was very satisfying for me as well to, to watch it happen. <laughs> totally. I've been saying to Pooja on Tuesday night, if we get some national TV or press, it, it feels like it would happen around now. Like I, yeah. I could, I could feel the, the, the media around the launch of the book sort of reaching what what I would imagine is a bit of an apex that yeah. that when the AP press story is picked up nationally that's that's a moment and yeah. wait I really but appreciate apex it. is going to come back down we want it to keep going Dan new visual new visual uh, well absolutely <laughs> <laughs> quick quick send the vibes <laughs> skyrocket and something I so often find Viral. myself advising other people and I like to remind myself is enjoy your victories enjoy your yeah. wins we spend so much time in life thinking about the places we want to be and the growth we want to achieve and it is I think it's really important to to also take a moment to be satisfied with things and to appreciate the, the good things that have come our way and I think a lot of good things have come our way and I know you've put a lot a lot behind <laughs> it when you talk about that month of pitching yeah. and it really was a month of pitching but it, it did feel really, really good. We hope some of you were able to catch. I tried to announce on social media uh, once we knew the segment was a go. So I'm hoping some of you guys were able to catch it. And this is our our other can't let a moment in the show go without saying, please share, share far and wide about this book and how you experience Emily Post. I think that's actually one of the most impactful things you can share. Um, I did see a couple of, of uh, listener posts come through on actually LinkedIn. And one person was saying, I love how they speak about etiquette and just sharing whatever it is that draws you to the show each week and how you're enjoying that new book if you've been able to get your hands on it. We would be so incredibly grateful. And we, we try not to over-ask in the share department, but this holiday season, you're going you're gonna to hear me up my asks because I am really excited about, I think, what how transformative this book could really be. And I really want to give it the chance to get out there and do the work that I think it could really do. And Dan, I'm, I'm real proud of us and I'm, I'm proud of our audience for getting us to this place. We have learned so much from them and Absolutely. they are so in the book. Like yeah. some of you might even recognize some examples that you're like, they definitely got that from the question they answered for me. <laughs> like, you know, I feel like some of that is, is really true and really real. And I feel like it's starting to happen. Like it's really happening now. <laughs> so I'm, I'm excited. This is the celebration part. <laughs> and anybody who listens to this show knows our consideration, respect and honesty approach and framework. And this is a moment. You're right to remind us, me and everybody listening <laughs> that this is a moment to share that feeling. If there's something about this show that you like that makes you feel a little bit better or that you find – inspirational, motivational in any way, or or just that you connect to, that 
this is a moment where there's a larger world that's being exposed to and, and having the opportunity to make that connection. And it's absolutely a moment worth taking advantage of if, if we've got the wherewithal to do it. I know something else that we have the wherewithal to do, especially after writing this book. <laughs> I think I know what you're about to say. Let's get to some of our listener questions. Let's do it. Awesome Etiquette is here to answer your questions. You can email them to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. Leave us a voicemail or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. Or you can reach us on social media. On Twitter, we are at emilypostinst. On Instagram, we are at emilypostinstitute. And on Facebook, we are the Emily Post Institute. Just remember, use the hashtag awesomeetiquette with your post so that we know you want your question on the show. Awesome Etiquette gets support from StoryWorth. There are some stories about your mom's life that you truly never get tired of hearing. From hilarious to heartfelt, tear-jerking to plot-twisting, mom's retelling of the events always brings a bit of joy. Just in time for Mother's Day, we here at Awesome Etiquette found the perfect gift that can capture all of your mom's stories for your family forever. It's called StoryWorth. StoryWorth helps you preserve precious memories and stories from your mom or a mother figure in your life for years to come. Here's how it works. Each week, StoryWorth emails your loved one a thought-provoking question that you get to help pick. What was your first job? Who was your first crush? <laughs> StoryWorth makes the writing process a breeze. All your loved one needs to do is to respond to the email prompt with a story. Long or short, it doesn't matter. I did this with my mom and it was really, really rewarding. You'll be emailed a copy of your loved one's responses as they're submitted over the course of the year. You'll get to enjoy their retelling of the stories, some you probably already know, or maybe the ones that you're surprised by you haven't heard before. <laughs> After that year of fun discovery and reminiscing, StoryWorth compiles your loved one's stories and photos into a beautiful keepsake hardcover book that you'll be able to share and revisit for generations to come. You can even keep a copy of the book for yourself. Give all the moms in your life a unique, heartfelt gift that you all will cherish for years. Story Worth. Right now, save $10 on your first purchase when you go to storyworth.com slash manners. That's storyworth, S-T-O-R-Y-W-O-R-T-H dot com slash manners. It's manners with an S to save $10 on your first purchase. And now back to our show. Our first question is titled, Wavering Welcomer. Hello, Lizzie and Dan. Thank you for all of the work you do making the podcast. I always find it uplifting, educational, and entertaining. I had a question come up recently that I was hoping to get your perspective on. While I won't be able to directly benefit from your advice given the timeliness of the situation, perhaps others with a similar conundrum will in the future. My husband and I recently invited two couples over for dinner. Both of the couples included women with whom I went to college, and the three of us all know each other. But I am much better friends with one of the two women. Let's call her close friend. The other woman, let's call her newcomer, is new to our city. So me and close friend organized this dinner to make newcomer and her husband feel welcomed. Two days before the dinner, close friend texted me to say that she unfortunately had COVID and could not make it as a result. In this scenario, is it best to let newcomer know that the other guests are unable to attend, or is that unnecessary to share in advance? My hesitation in sharing the change to the guest list is that I do not want newcomer and her husband to feel as if they were no longer invited and that we needed to reschedule, as we very much still wanted to host them in spite of close friend and her husband being unable to attend last minute due to COVID. In general, I know that it's not the place of a host to feel compelled to share a guest list with their guests. However, since newcomer and her husband were expecting to see close friend and her husband, I didn't want them to be surprised upon showing up that they were not going to make it. I will update you to let you know what I ended up doing. And in the meantime, I look forward to hearing your thoughts. Best wavering welcomer. That's a great question. 
Ah, wavering welcomer. I like your handle, and I love your Emily Postian uh, habit of naming your characters after the scenarios <laughs> that they find themselves in. I like it too. Close friend, newcomer. It's great. I also want to applaud your good etiquette. I see all the good etiquette functioning here. You're making an effort to welcome a newcomer to town, to reconnect old friends, to be a gracious social host. And I just, I I appreciate that and your awareness of some of the etiquette. And I'm going to put them in air quotes that no one can see because this is a podcast, <laughs> etiquette rules that can oftentimes help facilitate these exchanges. And one of the classic etiquette guidelines that we've talked about on this show is that as a host, in general, it's not a good idea to be sharing guest list information, that the right. idea isn't you're trying to pitch your event to some guests with the attendance of other guests. You're not trying to organize conditional participation depending on who else comes or even set people up to decline based on someone else that might be coming in a bad etiquette example. Having said all that, it's a theme on the show that you have to know the rules to know when and how to break them well or when it's appropriate or a good idea to break them. And I think this is one of those situations where the nature of the event, the the close relationship, the pre-existing relationship, the I'm guessing fact that in some ways the way this get-together has been talked about and agreed upon by everybody who was going to be coming is that you were all going to get to see each other again. It's a relatively small affair between people who know each other well. And in that kind of a situation, I think this is exactly the kind of information that that would be appropriate to share. The concern that you have about it coming across as an attempt to kind of wiggle out or reschedule is one that I think you can address very clearly by stating that that's not your intent yeah. when you contact your friend <laughs> and talk to them. Lizzie Post, how am I doing? What do you think about the, the etiquette rule and how we break it? I'm feeling very confident that I could maybe retire now and just leave the business to Dan. <laughs> like, hang up my hat. Please don't. <laughs> <laughs> I won't. I like it too much. But no, I think you're doing great on this. And I'm so right there with you that I can understand where Wavering Welcomer is coming from thinking – I don't want this information to make the party seem like less or to make the the intent somehow change or or to make them feel like they have to offer to bow out. I can understand that. But I also, given the nature that it's just the three couples together and it's it's the one couple who kind of connected the other two and we were looking forward to connecting them again – who's not going to be there that it, there's no harm in saying, Oh, Oh, you know, so-and-so wasn't going to be able to make it because of COVID, but we were still so thrilled to get together with you. We didn't want to cancel the evening, you know? I, and I think that's that welcoming way to say like, we're here for it. And frankly, Dan, I could see that happening in a phone call where someone just calls to check in and say, hey, do you need me to bring anything? We're looking forward to Saturday night. Or I could see it happening even when you greet them at the door. I've seen my parents do that multiple times, and it's worked really effectively as like, oh, you know, one couple couldn't show up last minute, but we're so thrilled to have you here, you know, and that's just it. And you move on and you have a nice dinner party together, you know. I absolutely do, Lizzie Post. I was thinking about very similar sample script language. Hey, just wanting to check in. So-and-so couldn't make it, but so looking forward to seeing you on Friday. Can't wait. And also like you, if that call weren't to happen, probably part of the greeting is the time to let someone know because it isn't, it's not like you're waiting to see if they show up. You want to get everyone on the same page as right. soon as possible. No, when this couple arrives, that's it. The, everybody's here. The party's starting, you know? <laughs> Wavering welcomer, we hope that our answer reaches you in time. If it doesn't, we hope that you didn't waver and that you were able to deliver a most gracious welcome. And we also hope that in the future, you're able to get everyone together. Get the idea, audience? In this film, we play a game to find out what sort of friends we like to have and what kind of friends we want to be. Now, here's another scene. Study it carefully because none of these youngsters will do the right thing or the wrong thing every time. It will be up to you to decide. Ready? Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. 
Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Our next question is about a happy housewarming. Hi, Lizzie and Dan. I'm such a fan of the podcast and look forward to listening in every week. It makes me joyful to have a question worthy of asking. My husband and I are about to close on our first and hopefully forever home. Just such big congratulations. Congratulations. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) After much consideration, we made the decision to go all in on our down payment and understand the consequences that go along with that choice. As after so much searching, we lucked out on finding our dream home. We recently celebrated our five-year wedding anniversary. And while we had a registry for our wedding, it was light and only the essentials we knew we would want while we were in our small apartment. At the time, a house was not in our near future, and we did not want to battle with storage of items that were unnecessary for us at the time or try to predict the aesthetics of our future home. Now that we are looking at our new home and planning our housewarming party, we are excited to fill it with the convenient things of life and having the storage space for all small appliances, serving dishes, etc. I jokingly mentioned to a close friend that I was considering starting a small registry for our housewarming party, and she was overjoyed at the thought of being able to choose a gift with the confidence that we would love and use it. Her response, people will gift you something, and the last thing you want is a cheesy welcome sign that you feel obligated to put up. Is there a way to politely suggest gifts in the form of a registry? We don't expect or need anything at all and are excited to celebrate our long journey of house hunting with our loved ones. But would more people want suggestions of what to give? Is there sample script potential here, or am I delusional in thinking this way? <laughs> I have been knee-deep in paperwork and navigating the process as a first-time home buyer. I could be way off. I so appreciate having etiquette experts to run this question by. Thanks for all that you do. Best, Christine. Christine, congratulations. This really is so exciting. And I just love the good humor and the like, the the classic, and I, I know all generations do this, but for some reason, I think it's so millennial to to feel good about something and then question it. You know what I mean? Sure. <laughs> um, so I really, I appreciate hearing that. I don't know what generation you are, but it, it resonated. <laughs> Typically, and this is where I'm going to use that phrase that you heard Dan use in the last question, and that's that, you know, you got to know the rules to break them or to bend them or to extend them. And I think that this is a place where you're, you're going to hear Emily post etiquette and the place that we come down on it as a no-go on registries for housewarming parties. People may want to give gifts. Uh, your friend is right. There are lots of people who are going to want to come to this party and bring you something to celebrate this moment. But because a housewarming isn't necessarily a shower, or in fact, it isn't a shower, let's just be clear, it's not a party that 100% focuses on gifts, and that's why we don't create registries for them. I have a thought, though, and that is that the place I feel really comfortable about blending the idea of a registry and the idea of a housewarming party that doesn't traditionally have a registry and and that you won't be all of a sudden putting the focus on just gifts when you if, if you communicate a registry is in the RSVP. People will likely ask you if there's anything you want or need, or they might ask you some questions about color schemes and things in your house. And when they RSVP is often the time when they're going to ask you about these things. And that would be a time where I think it would be okay to say something like, Oh, you know, we, ha- we do have a, like, like some things that we've had in mind for the house. Like, would a registry link or would a link to a wish list? I would probably frame it as a wish list be helpful. And I think that if you felt like even that was too much, you could do a wish list that's like a pin board to give people just ideas. You know what I mean? But I like the idea of having it come up in the space, just like it does with a birthday party where once we're RSVPing and committing to the party and we're thinking we might like to get a gift and we ask about that, that is when you can provide something if someone's unsure of what to get. Typically, we recommend, Dan, things like 
houseplants or if you know they're a gardener, maybe a gift certificate to the local gardening place or if you know that they need some decor to warm the house, maybe a blanket or something like this. But uh, less in the category of furniture and things that you do sometimes see on those wedding registries, much more kind of smaller and a little a little more personal. I, I understand your friend's thoughts of like, if you're not into the welcome sign thing and you get that and then you feel obligated to keep it forever so long, like I understand all of that, but I would rather put you in the place from an etiquette perspective of starting without the registry and having it as a useful tool than putting it out front the way you would for an actual shower. That's my thoughts, Dan. (laughs) Big surprise. I agree almost a thousand percent. You actually went a little further with it than I was thinking I would or would would suggest. Yeah. Where would you kind of. But I kind of like it. There was nothing you said that made me uncomfortable. The idea that that the RSVP. is a really natural time when that exchange might develop in a way that would give you an opportunity to share something like a wish list or even concrete and specific ideas. I've definitely been a party to and heard discussions where someone gets a new house and it's a parent or a sibling or someone says, I want to get you something. I want to get you a housewarming present. What do you need? A grill. <laughs> what would you like? <laughs> and, oh, it's the dishwasher. It's a grill. It's a – and – Oftentimes those relations are relationships are close enough that you have some idea of what would be an appropriate ask or, or you could comfortably say, Oh boy, we have a long list. (laughs) You know, what do you feel comfortable helping with? And I like that idea of looking for that RSVP to the housewarming where you find that opportunity for that discussion to happen. Yeah. I I had been thinking about it coming up conversationally the way it, Mm -hmm. it did naturally in the question being another time where it would be really okay to share a list that yes. that it would be okay to have a list in your mind already in fact advisable because it's likely that people will be asking you this kind of question mm-hmm. but like you i had a real pullback at the idea of putting it out there identifying <laughs> it as a registry for this event and sharing yeah. it ahead of time in anticipation of the question coming up because while for 80% of the people it might be perfect even helpful Maybe for 20%, it's a question mark head scratcher, or for 15%, it's that. And for 5%, it's a don't they know they shouldn't do this. And if you can avoid that 5%, I think it's probably probably worthwhile. And the goal here, as you mentioned, is you don't want that invitation to feel like it's immediately addressing this idea of gifts when gifts are an optional thing for this particular party. Yeah. And that's that's our big goal for holding the line on suggesting that you don't go the route of treating it like a shower. The other thing that really came to my mind w- was something that I learned from this show. Ah. <laughs> and this was one of those we we got educated by a question and then educated more by feedback that we got to our answer to that question. And it was about the existence of searchable wish lists in general online. And I started to wonder if this might be one of those opportunities where those those generic wish lists on a site like Amazon could function in a way that would be helpful to people. That without calling it a registry, without sending the link to people, if anybody was curious, they could Google search your name and find that wish list there and – if someone asked, you could direct them to it. And yeah, yeah. I don't know that that, that might. As I I'll said, I'm learning how this world works, happen- yeah, and I would exactly. be curious if that's a functional option or not. Yeah, I'll be really interested if, like, on the 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 twenty first edition of the book, <laughs> if it'll be the hundred and fifth anniversary edition, <laughs> if that one ends where we talk about the idea of you can always Google search for a wish list, or you can always do a search like our listeners have recommended for a wish list on a particular site to see if someone already has built one. I'll be curious if that ends up becoming such a familiar idea that it's just something we check, you know, in terms of things like birthday parties and housewarming parties and graduation events where registries are typically not a part of things, but gifts are often something guests feel um, happy about engaging, you know. It's okay if you call it a wish list. It's not okay if you call it a registry. There you, you know, the semantics we decide to paint. Christine, thank you so much for this question. And truly, congratulations on the new house. We hope the housewarming goes smashingly. We think that your house will definitely feel warmed by the presence of your friends and family. 
Life in the suburbs has its good moments and others not so good. Discouraged? Disgruntled? Heck no. They're glad to be here. Our next question is a short one, but a great one. It's titled Respect and Restaurant Lines. Hello, I have a question about lines. When I go into a restaurant and someone opens the door for me, is it rude to get into line ahead of them? Should I let them be helped first? Thank you so much. I sure love your podcast. <laughs> this is great. Not, it's anonymous, but this is great. <laughs> this is great. I love this so much. And I I think one good turn deserves another. I okay. I love the sort of instinct to fair play that I see behind this question. I also want to acknowledge the brevity of the question and try to give an equally short answer. So I'm going to try one word. <laughs> is it rude to get in line ahead of them? No. Should I let them be helped first? Yes. <laughs> and if that sounds contradictory, it's not. They're different things. And Lizzie Post, I would love for you to tease out the difference for me. I don't know about teasing out that difference. I'm like immediately reminding myself of all the awkward moments I have had at Mirabelle's Bakery in Burlington, Vermont, where by holding a door for someone, they went in and got the last croissant danish like what a cookie cake i was hoping to buy and i was like so miserable for having done a kind act and then i'm remembering last christmas when it's gotten out that if they're sold out at the grocery stores you can go directly to mirabelle's the morning uh before so christmas eve morning to pick up their frozen croissant which you you know stick out overnight let them thaw overnight eight hours and then you get to bake your own fresh croissant that comes out absolutely perfect it's amazing it's like my favorite thing now and I remember the group of cars that were waiting for Mirabelle's to open at 7 a.m. I think they opened that early. And I realized all of a sudden that like four of the people who were waiting outside to go in were all there for the same thing. And so I wanted to get all of mine so that my family could have all of them. But I actually started asking folks like, how many they needed just to be cognizant as the first person of line of like, okay, you know what? If, if everybody needs one here and they don't have enough, I can forego my family each getting their two croissants for the two days we spend together. I can, you know, just keep it to one. It was like a, how can I be more generous about this thought after having many years of the, darn it, I shouldn't hold doors for people. I lose out on the thing I want thought. So, Dan, I'm majorly conflicted on this one. I was glad you had such clear and succinct answers to them. I think that being aware and offering is at the heart of etiquette. And so if it occurs to you and, and you don't feel like it would be a bad thing, I think then it's a, it's a wonderful thing to do is to just recognize, oh, you held the door, so I'm going to be in there first and getting helped first. Like I, you know, would you like to go ahead of me? You were so thoughtful holding the door. I mean, it's such an easy thing to do if you feel so inspired. I like that you answered, like, is it rude to get in line ahead of them? No, like they held the door for you. Like you don't have to allow them to go ahead of you. But at the same time, thinking about it and offering, gosh, doesn't that just inspire awareness for those two people involved in that moment? I think you did it, Lizzie Post. Oh, did I? Okay. I think you got it. That, that was what I meant. It really is. I, I, it, to me, it's it's all about what lens you're looking at it through. And is yeah. it is it a judgment lens? Is it rude to get in line ahead of them? No, I wouldn't throw that judgment on anyone. Just because yeah, someone opens totally. the door for you doesn't mean in the chip bank of good deeds, they're now owed and you're now one minus. And the moment to repay that is the next time that you meet at the line. That kind of a transactional, judgmental approach I don't think is functional. I don't think it works well for us. Yeah. But in a situation like you're describing at Mirabelle's, you're talking about a limited resource and everyone's aware of it. And that kindness might come with a cost just if, if your awareness of that is such that, that you can help <laughs> pay that back and, and you feel good about it and you want to do it. I think it's, I think it's the appropriate 
right to me sensible and and feel good choice to make in that moment and yeah i don't think you have to do it every time i don't think nope. it's something that you're obligated to do but i do think it's something that you can do and i think it's it's potentially um uh, the kind of gesture that'll keep the good gestures happening moving yeah. forward <laughs> Th that's something people would take notice of and be like oh that's thoughtful mm -hmm. <laughs> like, you know what i mean doesn't have to happen but it you know it sure nice is nice moment. when it does. Nice moment. Dan, the other place, and because holiday season is upon us, I feel like we should mention this type of behavior happening is in the post office line or in the line at FedEx or USPS to drop off packages because we do start shipping a lot of packages around the holiday season to help our friends and family far away enjoy a happy and bright and surprising holiday season. And that's wonderful. But I will tell you, we in the middle of our book launch, we were sending out the thank you copies to everybody who's helped us with the book or whose work was really um, uh, meaningful to the book. And that was a, a, about a good 30 people. And me walking into, I just know that people were cringing watching me walk into the post office with like 15 packages on round one. And like, I, I let so many people go ahead of me because they only had one thing or they just needed to buy stamps or something like that. And eventually I got to the point where I was like, I can't let anyone else go ahead of me. I actually need to go. And I just apologized to the person behind me. I was like, I'm so sorry. I know I have 15 packages, but I've, I've let a lot of folks go out of me and I do have to unfortunately get these in and get myself out of here. And they were very understanding about it. But sometimes even just acknowledging the position you might be putting someone else in, it can can be a little bit helpful. It, it can come across bad sometimes, but it, it can just be like, at least I'm aware of the fact that I've got 15 packages or that I'm trying to get this many croissants or whatever it is at the place that you're at um, can make a difference too. Pardon me, and I'm sorry are also <laughs> magic words. Magic words. <laughs> Anonymous, thank you so much for the short but truly great question. We hope our answer helps. Everywhere you go, your manners are with you, and they leave their mark. They help you feel sure of yourself, too, and they make an impression on people, on everyone you meet. Our next question is a tricky one from a parent. It's about a safety situation. Dear Lizzie and Daniel, Hello, I've been listening to your show for years and cannot get enough awesome etiquette. Listening a few times a week keeps etiquette at the forefront of my thoughts, and I believe that I am generally a nicer person because of it. I have a potential conundrum, and I desperately need sample scripts. I have a nine-year-old son who has begun having unsupervised playdates at his friend's houses and I want to ask the other parents of the other child an intrusive question. But I believe it's about safety, and as such, shouldn't I be allowed? My question is how to ask, without being intrusive, if the parents own guns, are the guns safely stored, and do they teach their children gun safety? While we are not gun owners, we're not exactly against others' rights to own them. It's a heated and politically charged topic that I'd rather avoid with a stranger. And I'm not trying to pry, but given that we live in Northern Virginia, the odds are pretty high some of his friend's parents own guns. My only goal is to keep my one and only son safe, and I'd like to create a verbal contract with the parents. And yes, we've talked about gun safety with our son and have done a bit of role play if he ever encounters a gun at a friend's house. But how do I ask without sounding alarmist or accusatory that the other family isn't safe? Should I just rely on our home training, or can I gently ask this question? Desperate for some sample scripts. Warmest regards, Kathleen. Kathleen, thank you so much for the question. Definitely one we've we've tackled, and we appreciate getting the opportunity to tackle it again. The safety stuff is really tough, and especially when safety crosses into a lot of political opinions and personal rights, um, it can it can feel like even just trying to get to the goal of the safety conversation is so fraught. And so I think a lot of people probably sympathize with the situation that you're in. Mm -hmm. I think it is important to 
uh, do a lot of the classic conversation starters or serious conversation starters that we've talked about in the past. So asking permission to have a conversation when there isn't a, a consequence right at hand. So it's not when you're showing up on the doorstep for that play date to decide whether or not your kid can cross into the home. And it's, it's not, um, in one of those moments, but it's something that you as parent who your kid has become friends with someone and you know that they're, like you said, it's now the age of unsupervised play dates. So you'll be less familiar with the homes that he hangs out in sometimes. I think it's worth saying, you know, bringing up that you would like to have a conversation because your kids are at the age where they now go to play dates without you and that sort of thing. And for me, and I know for Dan as well, because I can see his notes typed in this, <laughs> um, that it, it truly is okay to ask and to talk about this, that it's all in how you do it. There are other conversations that we have this around sometimes that can be helpful, like the car seat discussion, especially for kids of certain ages, and their, their growth rates can be really different. You might have one kid who still needs a car seat and another kid who really does not qualify anymore to be in one, and they could be really good friends. So I think there's definitely a, a pathway forward and a familiarity with the idea that sometimes parents do discuss sensitive topics. I might, I might call this a sensitive topic, but I don't think you should shy away from it just because it's a sensitive topic. And I, I think we'd like to find a way to get you some good language. And I know that Dan also has some great resources um, to provide, uh, which we'll put up on our social and on, on the webpage for this particular episode. I sure do. And Lizzie, I do remember that previous question. I remembered at that time, saying to myself, boy, this sounds like it's a discussion other people must be having. There must mm -hmm. be some interest in doing this and doing this well. And I found a lot of resources at that time. And um, mm -hmm. revisiting it now, almost 10 years later, those resources are still as relevant as they've ever been. And mm -hmm. I'll start off by recommending besmartforkids.org. And mm -hmm. they are they are a really good resource for thinking about gun safety and thinking about children's safety in general. The unfortunate reality is that gun deaths have eclipsed deaths in cars for children for the first oh, time in our country. So wow. it's a, a very real public safety and public health question for parents. And yeah. having these conversations well is going to be an important part of keeping kids safe. And what I really like about the besmartforkids.org resources is that they have a PDF that's available that's called Asking About Secure Gun Storage that has sample scripts for emails, for texts, and for conversation starters. I love that. All, in different kinds of situations. And oh, wow. A lot of their sample scripts are built around the kind of advice that Lizzie was talking about at the top of this question about finding mm -hmm. the right times and places to have these conversations, about mm -hmm. asking permission to prime someone, about acknowledging the political nature of the topic as you're trying to get to essential questions about safety. And for longtime listeners of this show, you know that it's a theme of ours that safety supersedes etiquette, that etiquette mm -hmm. is about our social expectations when we're in socially functioning environments, but that mm -hmm. when you find yourself in situations that aren't about social functioning, but about human safety, different sets of rules often apply. And mm -hmm. that doesn't mean that we can ignore our etiquette, just throw it out the window. If there's a way <laughs> to have those safety discussions well, um, mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's a good idea to both conform to social expectations and meet our safety needs. And I think that, that the, the resource that I've talked about are a good place to start. And some of the broad thinking that we do on this show about having difficult conversations about potentially controversial topics come to bear and almost become more important as the nature of the conversation or the conversation itself is more important. Mm -hmm. the, the other thing I think about when I think about that is preparing yourself to be a good listener. That yeah. So often the preparation for asking a tough question or bringing up a difficult topic or subject is that we, we really want to organize our own thoughts and our own presentation and what we want to say. And that is all important and it should never become an impediment to 
also being a good listener to responding genuinely authentically in the moment to what somebody is saying or how they're responding to you and being ready to listen, being ready to table a discussion, being ready to hear ideas, suggestions, or offers that might be different than the ones that you're already thinking about mm -hmm. are all good things to prepare yourself for so that you navigate that conversation as it unfolds, um, as well as you've navigated putting together your sample script and thinking specifically about the issues that you want to raise. Dan, I've got to say, I was I was really excited about this resource. Would you be willing to read some of the sample scripts from it so our, our listeners can get a sense for what they might find here? Sure. So, for example, this falls under sample conversation starters under the subcategory part of other teen safety conversations. Mm -hmm. Hey, excited the kids are getting together over the weekend. I know they've hung out quite a bit, but my daughter's never been over to your house. So I wanted to confirm a couple of things. Um, will an adult be at the house the whole time? Also, I heard a story on the news that made me decide I should always ask this. Do you have any firearms and how are they stored? Do you need me to pick up her or can you give her a ride home after? I, the idea there is that you nest the concern among a series of things that you might be talking about with another parent. And I like that. Obviously, you're going to want to modify sample scripts so that they're relevant to your particular situation. But mm -hmm. I really like the idea of thinking about it as a general parent responsibility safety concern talk, not yeah. particularly a discussion about about guns, the, the, the topic that's likely to be the hardest for people to leave the political questions that might come up behind and, and really mm -hmm. talk about with you. And there are so many options. There's a lot of different sample scripts and combinations of sample scripts. There are sample scripts that you could use if you're a gun owner and you have safe storage habits that you use that would be the basis for a conversation with someone about safe storage practices. So there's there's lots of ways to approach this conversation. It's not always one directional. And, and I really appreciate that um, from this particular resource. Kathleen, this is a really great question. Thank you so much for asking it. And we certainly hope that both the Be Smart for Kids resource and the advice that you hear on this podcast will help you navigate these conversations really well. And next year, as always, Jimmy will remember the experience of meeting and mingling with sportsmen who handle guns safely, courteously, and considerately at all times. Thank you for your questions. Please send us your updates or feedback on our answers to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. You can leave a voicemail or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. You can also reach us on social media. On Twitter, we are at emilypostinst. On Instagram, we are at emilypostinstitute. And on Facebook, we are the Emily Post Institute. Just remember to use the hashtag awesomeetiquette with your social media posts so that we know you for sure want your question on the show. If you're enjoying Awesome Etiquette, please consider becoming a sustaining member. You can find out more about this by visiting us at patreon.com slash awesome etiquette. You'll get an ads-free version of the show and access to bonus questions and content. Plus, you'll feel great knowing you help to keep Awesome Etiquette on the air. And to those of you who are already sustaining members, thank you so much for your support. It's time for our feedback segment, where we hear from you about the questions we answer and the topics we cover. Today, we have feedback from Tatum on sharing pool slots at the gym. Ooh, I'm excited to hear this. Dan, what have we got? Dear Dan and Lizzie, your podcast is perfectly lovely. <laughs> Several episodes ago, you addressed a question about a lap swimming time slot dilemma. Having swam competitively, worked as a lifeguard, and a lifeguard supervisor for many years, I have some hopefully helpful feedback. First, the majority of lifeguards are high school or college students. They may have been reluctant to correct a patron who felt to them like a real grown-up. Perhaps look for an aquatic supervisor or a front desk agent to assist. Second, if these are standard lap lanes, they're wide enough for two swimmers at one time. Swim teams often swim with eight or ten people in one lap lane at once. Everyone swims to the right of the line painted on the bottom of the pool. If it doesn't violate the facility's policy, you might ask the person before you if he or she minds if you just get in and begin swimming when your scheduled time slot begins. 
Then it would signal that it's time for him or her to wrap it up and not force you to miss any of your scheduled time. On a completely different topic, Dan mentioned the FIRE movement in a recent episode. Mm. My husband is a big fan of the Friends on Fire podcast, so I mentioned the reference to him. He shared it with the Friends on Fire podcast hosts, and they linked your podcast on their Instagram. Oh. He told me they also discussed some tips for wedding budgeting that they got from the Emily Post Institute in a later episode. Thank oh. you. You're a delight. Tatum. Tatum, thank you so much. That's like incredible PR work you're doing on our behalf. Thank you. That's really that is cool. So much fun, Tatum, and we will definitely go take a look at the Friends on Fire podcast. Thank you for the heads up. Thank you for sending us your thoughts and updates. Please do keep them coming. You can send your feedback or update to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com or leave us a voicemail or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. It's time for our Postscript segment, where we dive deeper into a topic of etiquette. And today we've got a follow-up segment from last week's Thanksgiving host conversation. This week we'll be diving into Thanksgiving guest etiquette. And these are tips to hopefully help you and yours have a very grateful Thanksgiving holiday. Dan, you know what I love about all guest etiquette? What? <laughs> Is that with it, it's so great. You start at the very beginning, and that is the RSVP actually responding to the invitation. Like, that's the very first thing that happens with all of this. And a guest responding well to an invitation is just such a right foot to start off on in a host guest dance. It is so great when you send out the invitation and it's it's got all that wonderful welcoming messaging in it that makes a guest feel so great. And the guest replies right when they get it or when they've had a chance to talk to their partner or kids or whomever is also included in this invitation to get the schedules on board and say, yes, we can come to this. Or even if the answer is no, getting back as quickly as possible. Even if it's to your mother who like knows you're going to come to Especially Thanksgiving. Especially <laughs> if it's your mother who knows you're going to come to Thanksgiving. It's so wonderfully important and it just so sets the right tone. And you've already done such a great move by making this beautiful invitation that you've received um, something that you're participating well in. And so I think RSVPing well right from the get-go is one of the best things you can do. And if you do have to check with people, it's okay to let your host know, I've received the invitation. Thank you so much. Let me check in with the troops and see if if we're going to be able to make it because we, we just love this invitation. And such a great way to start things off for a hectic holiday season. You know what else I love about the RSVP being your first job? What's is that? that it opens up a whole channel of communication and you can start mm -hmm. to do your next jobs well once that channel of communication is open. So mm -hmm. the most important information to convey when you respond, and that doesn't always mean with a handwritten note, sometimes it's by phone, sometimes it's by text, sometimes it's by email, is the information of who's coming, that yes, you're accepting on behalf of yourself or whoever else has been invited that you don't show up with anyone that wasn't invited without talking <laughs> to your host about it. And that is a very delicate host guest dance, but it's part of that communication. And sometimes Thanksgiving meals or gatherings are those kinds of occasions that are appropriate to think about who else might be invited, where with the proper coordination with a host, you might be able to extend an offer to someone in your community or family who the host hadn't been thinking about but would love to have. It's delicate. Be careful. Um, but it's it's a possibility. If you haven't done that, don't bring anybody that isn't an invited guest or who hasn't been cleared with the host if you can help it. You know, Dan, you're reminding me that another great part of that host guest dance that starts when you RSVP, and I love the way you phrased it as it opens the conversation, is as a guest, you can also either when you RSVP or maybe shortly thereafter, like a few days later, you could reach out and offer to contribute to the meal. This is a really classic community meal, a potluck style meal for a lot of families who celebrate 
Thanksgiving. And so it's a really common thing for a guest to offer to bring a dish. Might also be fairly common in your family or in the particular family you might be dining with this year that they just suggest that you bring a dish <laughs> or that it's a part of the deal, you know, that everyone brings something, whether you're bringing, you know, a, a, a couple of, um, I'm, I'm thinking bottles of soda, but I was going to try to go not like soda sugar on it after the Halloween sugar crash. I'm experiencing. How about Aunt Maureen's cauliflower? Oh my there goodness. There you go. Aunt Maureen's cauliflower, which we all love. And I didn't even know I liked cauliflower until she started making this particularly decadent dish. But it's about offering. It's about recognizing that this meal can be a very community done meal, a very potlucky style meal, and making sure that you're giving your host a really nice chance to invite you to participate in that if they haven't already suggested it or put it in the invitation. It's really important that you don't dictate the menu, that it's awesome if you make a killer apple pie, but if someone else is already slated to bring the apple pie, you shouldn't just bring your own apple pie or change up what you're agreeing to. You should kind of listen for what they're looking for and pick something that works for you out of that. The other thing that comes up with this conversation a lot, Dan, is the dietary needs conversation. So this yep. is an important one for folks to feel confident having. Whatever the reason is for, you know, if it's medical, if it's personal, if it's religious, if it's just because you're trying something new, it, it almost doesn't matter except in the case of allergy where you do have to be really clear. <laughs> um, and and I would say religious dietary needs too. Sorry, I didn't mean to to ignore that. Together, those are really important things to either your safety or the fundamentals of how you live. And so I think that's that's really important to recognize. But go for it. Have the conversation. If you're a person with an allergy or with a restriction, it's a lot easier if you bring it up. And if you're a host, I know we talked about this last week, but it's a lot easier to offer someone a chance to bring it up. And so ask. Um, exactly. <laughs> ask. Uh, it really does make it easier for someone to say, you know, I have started a new diet and I'm I'm really trying to stick to it. So I'm, I'm vegetarian this holiday. Could I bring a dish that meets my needs? And then they say, oh, there'll be plenty of dishes and don't worry. They won't have chicken broth in them or turkey broth in them. Like there's conversations that can be had easily if you're willing to broach the subject. And during this RSVP or very soon thereafter, as you're coordinating with the host, as Dan said, you've opened that conversation. That's the time to do it. Now, with this communication well handled, the next thing we want to think about is how we show up, how we show up physically, how we're present day of. And oftentimes that begins before your on-time arrival with choosing to dress appropriately. Maybe it's a family gathering. Come as you are. Be your most comfortable. That's how you're the most comfortable. That's appropriate dress for that particular occasion. For many families and groups, this is an opportunity to take it up just a notch, that one of the ways that we can create a special feel around an event or a special meal is by changing our dress just a little bit. And maybe the change in your dress is something a little more festive than usual, a little more fun than usual, a fabric that you just love but don't like to wear every day because you wear it out. Or maybe it's about actually notching up to a level of formality that evokes something in you that you connect to culturally for some reason. And that is another way that families and groups honor each other as well as the event and the occasion. So give it a little bit of thought ahead of time. Plan your attire in a way that shows some intentionality, some care, or some effort to be coherent with what other guests and your host is, are doing. Dan, our next two points I want to tie into technology, and one of them piggybacks on your arrive on time point that you made. If you're going to be late, text or call, get in touch with your host to let them know. Offer an apology for being late. It doesn't have to go on endlessly, but it is it is an important thing to do, and we all do have such great access to one another that getting the message out is great, and it'll let your host make some decisions. The other thing about that cell phone is to Put it away when you arrive at the event. I know our advice on our website dun, says dun, when dun, you're dun, away dun, at the dun. dinner table. 
But I think it's even better to put it away once you get there. And, you know, that might not be realistic for some with young kids where where that video time is going to kind of help pacify some moments. And um, if if you're into doing that, that's that's perfectly fine. But we really do want to make sure that when we're at the table, the phones are completely away. In fact, they're off so that they're not going to be disrupting or disruptive, excuse me. And you can always invite your guests to take pictures before the meal, before everybody digs in. Take a picture of the buffet, take a picture of the bird or the gourd, whatever it is. <laughs> um, and and then ask that folks put their, their phones away. You can also announce as a host, you know, we're getting ready to have dinner. I'd love for people to take whatever pictures they'd like to take and then put phones away for the rest of the meal. And that's a fine thing to do as a host. In some ways, Lizzie Post, that is the perfect place for us to transition our advice to advice for the table or the meal itself, which is oftentimes such a big part of this special day. And keeping that technology to an absolute minimum and maybe even to an absolute, absolute minimum, I think is a great place to start. (laughs) Another place to keep your attention is on the nature of the conversation that you're in enjoying hopefully around that meal that the food itself is fantastic but it's also the company that we get together to celebrate and it might be that you love talking politics with that nephew that you disagree with or it might be <laughs> or that you agree with <laughs> or that you Doesn't agree always with have to be disagreement <laughs> and that this is the opportunity this is the time each year where you get to see each other and that's something that that you both relish and look forward to Enjoy that in the privacy of the den when the meal's over. Give everyone else who may or may not be as excited to have that conversation an opportunity to enjoy the meal without going into those really potentially controversial or charged areas that can ruin the experience for some people. So we want to think about that as we moderate ourselves and our our conversation, our participation in that conversation throughout the meal. It's a question that comes up almost every year. Before Thanksgiving at the Emily Post Institute, we hear from people who are nervous or feeling um, trepidation about getting together with family who they know they have real differences of opinions with. And the opportunity to, to honor those relationships and spend time together without those issues ruining the day is, is in many ways a real opportunity in the year. And I think it's worth thinking about and worth honoring that opportunity. Dan, there's another point about conversation that Thanksgiving is just so ripe for because it's in that name, Thanksgiving. It's really a time where we do try to get the focus of this holiday to be on gratitude and thinking about the ways that we are thankful in our lives. And that is such a great theme to let shine through the mood and the Mm. conversation of the day. So if you find yourself a little nervous, remember, you've got this great theme to dig into if you need to. So as the day winds down, your job as a guest is not over. No. (laughs) There there are opportunities as, as the day concludes or as the meal concludes. You can offer to help. And this is one of my favorite parts of the host guest dance. Oh, no, that's quite all right. We've got it all taken care of. Thank you so much for offering. Or, oh, that, that would be would so be appreciated. So Could you start grabbing plates and follow me to the kitchen? Uh, the totally. answer could be either. And yeah. you as a guest making that offer to help or to chip in or contribute in some way, it's appropriate to do when you respond to the RSVP. It's also appropriate to do when you watch your host trying to balance plates after the meal is over. <laughs> a side note, do be sure to just ask if there are any special cleaning instructions if you're helping out on dish duty, because sometimes people are using their nicer wear. Sometimes it's actual china or, or true silver. Silverware and it can eat crystal, and you wouldn't want to use harsh abrasive products on that, whether that's a a sponge, a scrubby, or a particular type of soap. Um, And so, do ask as you help out with the dishes what way they prefer the dishes to be tackled. Finally, Dan, well, there's sort of two finally. I was going to say, do you know what makes the best guest? (laughs) Guests who leave on time. Yes. (laughs) I think that's really appropriate. And um, in the tip, we also say and follow any other safety protocol that may be in place where you live. However, 
it's it is important to leave on time. It is important to not overstay your welcome. It's a little bit hard to gauge, and often it is on the guests to to make this move. But really, pay attention to the feel of the evening, the feel of the afternoon. If you're visiting someone else's home and family for the first time, you might even check in with someone that you're close with at the gathering. Say, hey. Do people usually stick around, watch football or a movie together? That was what we did at my house. And people were welcome to stay and then do seconds later on in the evening. Or is it really that, you know, they're trying to clean up and be done with the day and, and move on? And it's it's just good to kind of pay attention and, um, and make sure that you kind of take your leave <laughs> at a good time, too. And as you take your leave, Dan, what's the most important thing you should be doing? Oh, my. Speaking of take your leave, before you take your leave, that warm, generous, in-person thank you so much to your host is an absolute necessity. It's an absolute requirement. There are very few have-tos in the world of etiquette. This is one of those have-tos. Be sure to thank your host. Be sure to thank your host committee. If it was a whole family that was hosting, you try to find the the members of the household that work so hard to bring everyone together and really acknowledge them and thank them for the experience. And you can also follow up with a phone call or better yet, you know, we're big fans of it. Those handwritten notes of thanks to your host and show your appreciation for all their hard work with a second. Thank you. We have lots of time because we've finally thought about it early enough to be ahead of the holiday schedule this year, please feel free to send any of your Thanksgiving questions to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. We will enjoy talking about this topic for the next couple weeks. Turkey on Thanksgiving is a great American tradition, but what you kids are saying makes it sound as if the turkey is the only thing we had to be thankful for. Well, gee whiz, no, Dad. It's not that at all. Oh, I know, Dick. With turkey, it's easy to lose sight of what Thanksgiving really means. We like to end our show on a high note, so we turn to you to hear about the good etiquette you're seeing and experiencing out in the world, and that can come in so many forms. Today, we have a salute from Cynthia in Seattle. Hi, I'm a newer listener and have become a sustaining member recently. Thank you, Cynthia. Thanks for all the two of you do. I appreciate your podcast so much that I find myself asking in certain situations, what would Dan and Lizzie do? I am working my way through past episodes, and on episode 353, thank you, Dan, for sharing how you had materials on how to hand clean your cedar siding for a year. (laughs) I was driving in my car alone when I heard you say this and found myself saying out loud to no one, wow, how validating. (laughs) I consider myself a fairly organized person, but there are so many projects I did not get into during the pandemic that made me feel like, well, if someone as organized as Dan had materials for a year, then I guess I'm okay with my undone (laughs) projects. Thank you, Dan and Lizzie. You make the world a better place. Oh, my goodness. I had not read this ahead of time. This is a really funny I should have read it to you. I'm so sorry. I should have read it to you. But you did such a good job reading it. I think Cynthia's expression really came out in it. I I apologize, because I should have read that first. Um, We kind of like to have them as surprises so that they are that warm, glowy thing where you're like, oh, and you get the reaction in the moment. I'm sorry, because I should have done better for you on that one. No, it's quite all right. a delightful um what a delightful salute and i don't think i've ever been saluted for procrastination before but <laughs> it's um it, it is nice to know that we're not alone in our um our our, our mental gymnastics <laughs> Absolutely. Cynthia, thank you so much for putting a smile on both our faces with this salute. And thank you for listening. Thank you to everyone who sent us something for the show and to everyone who supports us over on Patreon. Please connect with us. Share this show with friends, family, and coworkers, however you like to share your podcasts. You can send us questions, feedback, and your salutes by email to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. By phone, you can leave us a message or a text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. On Twitter, we are at emilypostinst. On Instagram, we are at emilypostinstitute. And on Facebook, we are the Emily Post Institute please do consider becoming a sustaining member by visiting patreon.com slash awesome etiquette. You can also subscribe to the ads version of our show on Spotify or your favorite podcast app. And please consider leaving us a review. It helps our show ranking, which helps more people find awesome etiquette. Our show is edited by the awesome Chris Albertine and assistant produced by the incredible Bridget Dowd. 
Thanks, Thanks Chris, Chris and Bridget. Bridget.